Everyone has a story. What's yours? Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Katie. And this is Monumental, a small show about the big things that God does in the lives of ordinary people. Guess who we're talking about this week, Michael? You! Hooray! I've been waiting all my life for this moment. I know that you have. (laughs) All right, where do you want to start? Well, Michael Crumb, tell us, who are you? I am one of five kids. Dad also, like your dad, is a pastor and we just have so much in common. I know. (laughs) And we're both married to Ben's. And what year were you born? 85. Baby. 85. Oh, yes. (laughs) I knew. knew. That was a good year. I knew it was a good year. (laughs) And your dad also is a pastor. I married not exactly my high school sweetheart because he was no longer in high school when we (laughs) were dating. I know. Yep, he's a little older. So I actually got married after my freshman year of college, and I was 19. I was a teenage bride. Ooh, wow. Ooh, I know, scandalous. You can only imagine what my extended family thought of that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we got married when I was 19, and he was 23. Um, we had our first baby on our two-year anniversary. All right. So that was a funny anniversary so present. One. So I was 21 um, when I had our first son, and then um, 16 months later, our second son came along. Wow. Yeah. I won't say that. How do you say? I don't want to say he was an accident, <laughs> but um, he was planned. Unplanned by us. He was an unplanned God. blessing. Blessing. <laughs> That's right. Do you think it was difficult to get married at a really young age? Because so one of the things my sister used to always tell me, because I didn't get married until I was 29, and maybe she just said this to make me feel better, but... Yeah. Well, you're getting married later in life, so maybe you'll avoid a lot of the like drama, you know, drama and like immature. Based on immaturity. Yeah, kind of yeah. I said this to myself at the time. I think Ben and I said this to each other that we knew we still had a lot of growing up to do, but we were just going to do it together. Yeah, you know, that's cool. I would like to say that it was all just faith, <laughs> but you know what else was? There was a lot of mixed in. Was just me and maybe Ben, but probably just me being cocky and just thinking like, we're going to do what we're going to do. I don't think that we were ignoring. I think that we were taking advice from other people that we respected. I think we were seeking counsel from people that, you know, were godly. But when I think about my response to people's just sort of, sort of wide eyed Mm -hmm. looking on, you know, I won't quite say in horror, but Mm-hmm. Like, what? So then we got married, and then the first year, you know, in some ways it was easier. In some ways it was harder because I had been told that when you get married, you still get lonely. But I don't think I really believed it. I mm-hmm. kind of thought, like, once we're married, we'll never, you know, neither of us will ever be lonely again. Mm-hmm. And then to find out, like, poor Ben, he could not fulfill my every emotional need, mm-hmm. you know? This thing called marriage is not the be all and end all yeah. of your life, you know? Right. 
And it's then, like, wait a second. He's a fallen human and I'm a fallen, fallen human. And you put it together and you get a whole lot of fallen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Falling. And we were uh, happily married, but, you know, we fought a lot. And listen to me talking in past tense. We were. We were. We, are we don't both. fight anymore. And he's not fallen anymore. And I'm not fallen anymore. Well, I was about to say, we were both Never very get stubborn. And then I was like, oh, oh we are both very stubborn. And I should, you know, I should say we are 12 years in now. All right. So after two years, we, we had baby number one on our two-year anniversary. And then 16 months later, had baby number two. On your anniversary, you had an anniversary baby? Yeah. So do you celebrate your anniversary or do you celebrate I know, the birthday? Year, like, do you celebrate him or us? Yeah. <laughs> both. Like, oh, how do you do both? <laughs> I actually had two miscarriages before Daniel was born. Um, oh, so in those first two years of marriage. And Daniel's like, your oldest. Yeah. I want to say it was like four months into mm. our first year of marriage. I actually mm. had my first miscarriage and I was... Um, okay. So first year of marriage was not a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, it was not a piece of cake. Then I had a year of school at IU and then I had another miscarriage at the end of that school year and you know worked that summer and then we ended up um, deciding to do this short-term mission trip to South Africa so we were in South Africa for four months came back and five months later Daniel was born Um, so I never did actually I I attended two years of college and then I never did any more college after that okay so right there and and I've at this point had three pregnancies. Two, right. you know, two of them were miscarriages, and the third one mm-hmm. is my son, who's born to me at the age of twenty one. You know, <laughs> right. so already it's like a whole lot of life has happened. Yeah, and people just thinking like, time. are you serious? Like, not only are you getting married young, but you're clearly not using birth control, right? <laughs> um, which you know we must be out of our ever loving minds. But we had decided that we were, you know, okay with having babies right away because we thought, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of growing up together. May as well throw a baby in the mix. Why not? Why not? (laughs) Go big or go home, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I, you know, I know a lot of it's just bullheadedness of like, thinking, you know, whatever, people used to do it this way, we'll survive, we'll figure it out as we go along. You know, we could wait until we're 30 to have kids and we'd still be just as clueless as we are now in terms of like knowing what it will actually be like to be parents and Mm -hmm. to raise a baby into like adulthood, you know. Right. So I think I kind of maintained that attitude up through like the birth of of Daniel, our firstborn. And then I found out I was pregnant with Zion and I just fell apart. I just thought, okay, okay, I thought I could do it, but no, Uh (laughs) this is too much, you know. Uh I just thought, this is so hard. I had a a seven-month-old and I was pregnant and I just thought, I can't do this. I don't know what we're doing. Ben had graduated from college and was at this point was working in his field, which was a big deal. But I don't know. I still think he was probably getting paid like he wasn't getting paid much. And we had, you know, student loans to pay off and a few other things. And you just think, I don't know. Did you know if I can do this? Yeah. Did you start to have kind of like, I don't know. I mean, regrets, probably not the right word. But were you all of a sudden like, oh, this is what everybody was talking about this this life, grown-up life thing is really serious. Um, Maybe we rushed into it too fast. Or... You know, I don't. I wouldn't say that I really had regrets of just or, but but I think when I got pregnant with Zion, I just I thought that that wasn't supposed to be possible. I mean, of course it is, but you know, here I was 
nursing this baby and you know you're not supposed to be able to get pregnant that quickly uh-huh. people get a lot pregnant a lot faster than that but mm-hmm. i didn't really know yeah. people at that time who just had like babies yeah. one year apart from each other so i just was like oh yeah. no what is gonna happen and right i feel like i can just barely handle one baby how on earth am i uh-huh. gonna handle two and yeah i cried when i found out i was pregnant i was mm-hmm. just like I can't do this. After, you know, a few weeks, I kind of got, got to the used. point where I was I was excited and okay. thankful for this second used baby. To the idea. So I think that, you know, I just kind of, I wanted to be obedient to God, but I also just kind of wanted to be a free spirit and yeah. kind of do what we wanted. And mm-hmm. I got a lot harder to be a free spirit when you had exactly. a husband and two kids at once. Yes. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, you think people just look at you and they go, oh, my goodness, you look very young to have, you know, two children. And, and you're like, yes, I am very young to have two children. <laughs> indeed, indeed, I am. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people will like, I, I used to kind of have this joke with myself, really. I know a lot of people will never take off their wedding wedding band but oh yeah i took my wedding ring off all the time because it had this really high stone and stuff would get like like it would get dirty right in there yeah and it was a little bit too big for me and so i would like if i was clean if i was doing dishes or if i was making bread or whatever i would i would pull it off off and and, you know and put it back on later well sometimes i would forget to put it back on and so i'd be out or whatever and i remember thinking okay you know people see you like out and you know with one kid and you're not married and too young or whatever. They can think, oh, you know, one, mis- you know, one kid. Anybody can make that mistake. But if they see you two kids that are a year apart, <laughs> too young to be married, then they're, they're just, just gonna be totally like, going to assume. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's what I would think if I, you know. So then you're like, forget I, I got to have my wedding ring. ring. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love the wedding ring for that purpose. I mean, I, maybe people don't think about it, but it's nice. People clean. know I'm married. And yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's just yeah. like sort of a security thing, sort of, I yeah. guess. So yeah. So, you know, by the time I that second baby came along, I felt like I could handle it. But we were also somehow in the process of purchasing our first home, which was really overwhelming to me. But my husband was, Ben was a little bit older than I was. And he felt like that was like a reasonable thing to do at the age of 25. You know, looking back, I'm like, why did we buy a house then? That was insane. <laughs> But you know, but you were planning to be in Bloomington, and we weren't were. looking. And you have to, this idea of like, okay, yeah. well, every you know, as long as you rent, you're just like throwing money right. down. The, is how it feels. That's now, how it feels. Yeah. You know, we were trying to pay off debt, and we had, I think, we had paid paid it off, paid off the student loan by then, and about to have our second well, baby. Yeah, and you've you been know. married for a number of years by now. Right. You're looking to have your second kid, and so, so it yeah, probably it really felt like, like it's time to settle down, to do to buy a house. Yeah. I was a little less excited about it, partly because I was the one looking at what was available in our price range. And I was just oh, like, yeah. this is not very nice. This, this is not where I want to <laughs> live. These houses are going to need a lot of work. And then part of it, too, was just it felt like, you know, such a commitment to take on a, a mortgage. Oh, I hated that word. Yeah. It's just so, ugh. So anyway, we found a house. It was kind of a fixer-upper. I remember I was on my hands and knees trying to refinish the floor at like eight months pregnant with a one-year-old in tow. I'm sure somebody else had the one-year-old that day, but (laughs) I remember just the pain of crawling Mm -hmm. along that wood floor on my hands and knees, eight months pregnant, trying to refinish part of something. (gasps) And then we had the second baby. And it it was one of the times in my life where God said, you can't do this. Hmm. 
I think he just he just humbled me and showed me how much I need him f- mm-hmm. for daily sustenance, like physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You got to a point where you realized you were just trying to go along on your own strength. Yeah, I just I just absolutely hit a breaking point. I had postpartum depression, and mm-hmm. I don't think I realized it. I think that I just you know depression. It's such a weird word. It's just mm-hmm. it's just. There's so much to it that you think it's going to look a certain way or you think if I admit that I've got it, then what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You just don't, you don't really know. Yeah. So I just kind of thought I was losing my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had this crazy anxiety about all sorts of things. (laughs) One of the first things that happened that, you know, looking back, I I think, okay, that probably should have been like a clue to me that something was not right. Zion, our second born, was less than two weeks old. And I set him on the sofa because he's just this little lump. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I set him on the sofa, you know, and I was sitting next to him. And then I think I went to answer the door or something. And he rolled off the bed. He mm-hmm. rolled somehow mm-hmm. off the sofa, which newborns actually can't roll. So I'm I'm not sure uh, what happened. But yeah. somehow this yeah. fluke thing happened. He rolled off and onto the floor. So he fell off the sofa onto the floor. Yeah, We're talking like two feet max right onto uh-huh. onto thick carpet okay but i was so terrified horrified and uh-huh. terrified by the fact that my negligence had allowed uh-huh. this this tiny baby to yeah. fall off a sofa and these are the things that happen pretty regularly as parents like mm. like just something happens and you realize that your child yeah. that god has entrusted to you is not entirely in your hands yeah. like you cannot control i mean i just imagine you your this. parents encountering this over and over again then mm. here you are like entrusted to them and yet they cannot take away your pain yeah or they cannot protect you from the you know the medical problems and everything so yeah just this reality of like okay and you're responsible so you feel this like like weight weight of of responsibility of this baby and then anyway so that was within you know a couple weeks of his birth but in the next few months it it really spiraled out of control were you afraid to admit that you were depressed or um or did you even quite realize what was going on? I, I mean, sometimes I when you're realized. in something, you don't even really realize like how serious it I think is until that was, later. I think that was a big part of it. I yeah. think that I just kept thinking, nothing's wrong. This baby is not out of control difficult. Yeah. It's a sweet little baby. It's not like he's, you know, he doesn't have colic. Like there's nothing wrong with him. He's not sick. I've got a husband who loves me. I've got this, you know, other child. We've got a new house. Like what is going on here? Like everything. That's the weird thing about depression. Like you could sit there, you can list all the, all the the good things. Yeah. But you still feel this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I just. um, Can't explain it. Yeah. I was just totally inexplicable. I was afraid of like all these you know different scenarios but also just kind of realizing that i did not have control of my life but then also realizing that i really didn't have control of my emotions Mm. and i've 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 not really been the type of person to really just like cry uncontrollably or just not be able to control the way that i feel like my emotions and it's just not been a big part of my yeah it's not been a big struggle it hadn't been a big struggle for me life Mm -hmm. life long and even when other people you know just couldn't i think i kind of thought like get a grip get a grip yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) put your big girl underpants on and right you know 
And here I was and I just couldn't get a grip. And I didn't know what was going on. And I was losing weight. I was like hungry all the time. And I felt like I was eating all the time, but I was losing mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. And so people were asking me, you know, like asking you me about okay? my weight. What's and going on? Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, it's so apparent uh-huh. that you're not okay. Yeah. You know? Right. But were you even able to like recognize yourself? yet that you weren't okay or were you still sort of was it just sort of a confused state that you were in about yourself yeah i could not figure out what what was going on i remember thinking that i remember that the that that term postpartum depression kept coming into my head Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i kept kind of thinking could it be that Mm-hmm. And then I remember th- thinking, you know, I didn't really know anything about postpartum depression. So what I thought was it couldn't be postpartum depression because it didn't start right away. You oh, know? yeah. And you were thinking if that's what it was. I yeah, if that's it right what away. it was, then I would have like had the baby and been depressed ever since. But instead, you know, things were OK for probably a month. And then mm-hmm. but I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to start thinking rationally. It's like once you get into one of these like thought patterns, you can't just talk yourself out of it. Were you able to give any kind of answer when people were like, Michael, what's going on? Looking back on it, it feels like such a long period of time when really I think the the really bad part was really only probably three months because Zion was born at the end of September and then I was probably okay-ish through October. And then November and December got really bad. And then at the end of December, we had some family events that like Christmas, getting together with family, doing fun stuff together. And I could not do it. Like I showed up. So I I should say before this. So I remember coming home, you know, with these two two little ones in car seats in the back of the car, (laughs) coming home from grocery trip or whatever. And our neighborhood had this little loop in it. And you know, I kind of started to pull up to the house and I thought, I, I can't, I can't get the kids out. And I don't think they were crying or anything. It was just like the difficulty mm-hmm. of, of emotionally, like, you just like couldn't bear yeah, them. Yeah, just like trying to go home. Yeah. So I um, actually like just started driving loops in the neighborhood. In circle. And I remember driving for 30 or 45 minutes mm. just so I wouldn't have to get out of the car and go into the house yeah what got you to the point where you could so i remember showing up to this family get together for christmas and i'm looking in the window and inside are all these people that i love and it's like dark outside it's cold and inside is this kind of warm picture picture of (laughs) everyone you love all together and and i i sat out in the car and i just thought i can't go in there yeah, just because you know when you think about like the beautiful it's like i could see all the gifts around me that god had given me and i just couldn't not, mm-hmm. like it was like i couldn't touch it you know it's like right there but you can't you can't you can't touch it and i think that's part of what's so frustrating about it is like because you can see that but so it makes you feel a little bit crazy because you can yeah. see all the blessings all the good things surrounding you you can even thank god for them and yet there's this weight that you feel like you can't explain because you feel like you shouldn't feel that way right 
yeah so then you've got so then you've got guilt that's mm-hmm. feeding the depression, the depression that's feeding the guilt that's feeding the depression right. and just this weight of like knowing that you're a sinner and seeing your sin and seeing god's goodness and not being able to it's like it's right there but you can't grasp it it's mm-hmm. like you know it with your mind but you can't it's like somehow your ability to taste and feel that the lord is good mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. like right on the other side of yeah and so you just know you've like you can see God's good gifts to you, but you just have this overwhelming guilt because you you can recognize it with your mind, but you can't feel any of it. Yeah. You know? So we show up to this party, and I'm sitting outside in the car, looking in the window at all of these happy people, the people that I love most in the world, and I cannot go in. Like I cannot bring myself to walk in the door. And Ben and I are sitting out in the car, and he's just waiting for me, like. And I, and I just can't bring myself to actually walk in the door. And of course, the longer you sit there, the more mortifying it becomes. Yeah. That you're like, you know, creating this scene of yeah. like mounting tension for, your, for my poor husband who's sitting next to me, but also for everybody who's inside who knows I'm out there and I'm trying to like right. pull yourself together yeah. and yeah. And like muster something. Yeah. In the middle of that like crazy warped crazy talk that goes on in in your head you know what i'm thinking at that moment is like i can't bring myself to go in there it's just it's so hard Mm -hmm. to talk to people you know yeah and then in the middle of like that crazy talk i'm also thinking but the longer i sit out here the more they know that you know that i'm gonna have a hard time talking to them and so i'm making you know i'm making them feel bad awkward for them because there's something wrong with me Uh, but it's not their problem it's just me yeah. So yeah, to to go through just the the weird social anxiety type of stuff that mm-hmm. I know a lot of people deal with like on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and to just be flattened by that because of, you know, depression and everything. Mm-hmm was just really eye-opening. So I remember at some point that winter, my sister coming up to my car window. Apparently, I spent that entire period in my car <laughs> trying not to see people. You stayed right there. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'll just stay in the car. Party pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just can, I'll just like drive loops. We're good. <laughs> but I remember my sister coming up to the car window and saying, it's, it's hormones. It's mm. just hormones. Hmm. It's all hormones. Mm-hmm. And as silly as it sounds, that was like the beginning of of me being able to get past it. Because you finally had some kind of answer. It wasn't like this this obscure, I'm just going crazy kind of no reason or rhyme for my emotions, but like... There's actually There's something, something physiological going, going on. on. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of that too, and I realize that this isn't, you know, necessarily going to be an encouragement to every other person on the planet who struggles with this. But for me, you know, realizing that it was like postpartum depression, I just thought, okay, well, then eventually things are going to even out again mm-hmm. and I'll be okay, I think. And just so to give realize, you some hope. Yeah. Just to have yeah. s- some hope that I wasn't actually losing my mind you know because you had to have moments where you're thinking is this like is this yeah, something changed in me that i'm gonna struggle with this forever right yeah so part of the thing that as a christian that you wonder is like okay is there some sin that i haven't dealt with dealt with am i confronted is this is this very thing the sin is the depression the sin oh yeah and you just wonder like what is sin and what is sickness it's not just one either usually it's 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 all mixed up all mixed up right did you wonder like where is god in this or is he 
I think that is he there or am I like is he punishing me or am I, yeah, I am I part of it too, doing something like, wrong? Is this kind of a punishment for some sin or is it just mm-hmm. my lack of faith or what? Yeah. You're just so foggy headed at the time that you can't really like rationally think about the problem and come up with solutions. But thinking back to it now, I think like maybe I should have been on antidepressants mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not even sure I knew that was an option at the time. I'm, I yeah, don't remember that. Yeah, because you weren't even totally understanding what was going on. Mind. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't see a doctor. I just was kind of, you're just kind of trying to like get through the day. Muddle your way through the day and figure out like what's going on without having full out meltdown every five minutes, you know? So to realize that it was postpartum depression, to give it a name mm-hmm. for somebody to be able to say to Ben, so... Your wife has postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. That moment, as hard as it is to kind of come to grips with that, is way easier than not knowing just being kind of lost what's going on in it yeah and having somebody say like there's something wrong with you <laughs> because then you've got something to work with right, you know then exactly. he's like okay now i know and now we can deal with shadow of something that's like right. lurking but you don't know what it is yeah. really just that moment where you kind of have a name for this is called postpartum depression it's pretty normal for it not to kick in immediately and to realize too that it's not as simple as is like yes it's physical it's a physical problem there's something not working correctly in my body and it's obvious from the way that i'm feeling but also it's obvious from other people looking at me because i'm lost a lot of weight, weight and you're not something's not working correctly right so i think that you realize like this is a physical problem but then you also realize that it's a spiritual sanctification you know and that there is sin mixed Mm -hmm. up in there Mm -hmm. and that god was using it to humble me and to show me that i might have a can-do attitude about life and marriage and having children and all of that but the reality is i can't do it on my own you realize that he pours out so much grace on us that if he want withholds one tiny little thing like our sanity then we're instantly like at his mercy right we have to be on our knees and yeah. asking god for help and i think that was god forcing me onto my hands and knees mm-hmm. and saying no you can't just muscle your way through this one of course My oldest is 10 now, and we've got four, four children. And it's just a lesson you learn over and over again as a mother that there are these moments where you kind of think that you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. or you kind of think that you have it all together. And then, I mean, the more kids you have, like the fewer and farther between those moments are where you think you actually know what you're doing. But motherhood is just a constant exercise of dependence on God. Dependence on God and of like humility of realizing, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. You better, you you better get my act together. (laughs) You know, yeah, you better be doing something here because I don't know what we're doing. You know, yeah. is hosted by Katie Walker and Michael Crum. It is produced and edited by Nathan Alberson with help from Ben Salser, and it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Mensel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles written by me and Michael and even some of our guests, please visit warhornmedia.com.